feels like that moment in an AA meeting when you are urged to stand up and introduce yourself. Maybe it's not Alcoholics Anonymous, maybe it's Abusers Anonymous. And we feel like, man, there's some things in my past that I'm not proud of. It's like that moment when someone from your past shows up and starts telling stories about what you used to be like. And there's some funny stuff. But there's also some tragic stuff. Some moments in our lives that we wish we would, wouldn't have done some things. And that category of just meanness, just being mean to, to people, whether it was uh, in our school years or whether it was in those relational moments when we began to, to couple and find someone we thought about spending life with and it didn't work out, or whether it was in a job uh, where there was clicks of people and people left in on the inside and people on the outside, and, and it felt good being on the inside, and, and so we chose that and felt a bit guilty about those on the outside. It's always that dynamic, you know, of, of trying to figure out where do I fit in? You know, Daniel Pink talks about making a failure resume in his book on regret, the power of regret, a failure resume. Um, we thought about trying to craft some experience here where we would have paper all over the walls and pens and just play some music and let you go up and write all your failures on the wall. Sound like fun? As difficult as it might seem, at one level of exposing our failures, at the same time, bringing those into light is extremely healing. For those of you that have existed in the addiction communities, you know the phrase, we're only as sick as our secrets. We're only as sick as our secrets. And so shedding light on what has happened, why it's happened, how it happened, and learning from it becomes a, a, a real critical process to growing. To finding the kind of peace that Jesus talks about when he says in John 10, 10, I came that you might have life and you might have it full. And it's very difficult for the English translators to translate that word in John 10.10. 10. Might having, have it, and it's, it's, it's one of these words that sort of um, looks at a, uh, a vat that's overflowing. Might have it to full overflowing. In fact, if you are a fan of Bible translations and you look in it, you'll find one that says exceedingly abundantly. And it's like, that's not even good English. But it's attempting to kind of 
to meet the, uh, the meaning of what Jesus was talking about when he says, I, I want you to be a fully flourishing human being. And, and it takes a, a certain set of um, habits to make that happen. You know, a few weeks ago when we started this series, uh, we uh, were alerted to a, a YouTube video um, about someone who had done just that. And it was, it was so good that we thought we'd bring it in and, and, and show it here because it, it does give us that, that picture of what it looks like for someone to face the past, look at their failures, and charge into the future as a learner from that past. So let's take a look. Today's show is about looking back at our past regrets and mistakes in order to move forward so that we can change and grow and become a better version of ourselves. Still with me is Daniel Pink, New York Times bestselling author of The Power of Regret, How Looking Backward Moves Us Forward. And my next guest had a regret that I'm sure many people in the Tam Fam can relate to. Divorce. Brandon Music had one goal in life, to be an amazing father and husband. But eight years into his first marriage, Brandon's world came crashing down when his wife asked him for a divorce. Here's his story. My dream in life was always to be a great father and a great husband. I was with my ex-wife for 10 years total. We were married for eight. We raised three wonderful children together. I thought I was living the perfect life. That was until December 2016 when my ex-wife and I were having a discussion and she said she did not love me anymore. It completely caught me off guard. And at this point, she was so emotionally shut down, nothing I could do could win her love back. My divorce broke me. I felt hurt, I felt shame, and this huge regret that I had failed as a husband. There were several times where I even wanted to take my own life. But thanks for the love of my kids and the desire to find love again, I was determined to reflect back on the things that I could have done better and what I needed to do to improve. I also wanted to search for the partner who was right for me. I believe that my divorce had made me a better father and a better man. Wow. Tam Fam, please welcome Brandon Music to the show. Brandon, thank you so much for joining and sharing that story. How did you start to um, move forward? Let me rephrase that. When did you start making the list, if you will, at least mentally, of the things you felt you did wrong? Well, um, during the divorce, I was, you know, my wife was my world, my family was my life, and I did some reflecting back. I had a lot of regrets of things that I, that I didn't do. I should have, you know, rubbed her feet and her neck when, when it was sore or bothered her. I should have listened to her more. I should have mm. asked more questions. We need to remember why we fell in love, and I just didn't put her first. So after the divorce, I kind of made a list of, of what I needed to do to improve the things I regretted and, and uh, that I wish I would have done better. How hard was it? Because that's a long list, and I think it's a list of things that people can relate to in relationships. How hard was it to start going through those things and looking back knowing that she was gone, the marriage was over, so you don't get the redo, but you can apply it to the next marriage? Yeah, it was extremely hard. Um, as I said in the intro, there was a few times when I wanted to take my own life when mm -hmm. I was depressed, but luckily the the love for my kids and the desire to find love again and the desire not to fail again to be a better man overcame that that negative time in my life daniel is still here with us i know that in your research divorce 
was a common regret. When they say it's like a death in the family, it is like that for people. And you can tie yourself up into looking back on it. Absolutely. And the way that Brandon dealt with this is, is almost textbook of how you do this. And, and one of the things that, that bugs me is when people say, I have no regrets. I never look backward. They say it as a sign of courage, mm -hmm. as if they're, and, and that's not real courage. Real courage is what Brandon did. Real courage is looking your regrets in the eye and doing something about them. And the, the process that he went through here is exactly right. You have to actually go inward, inward. and, and, and um, uh, talk to yourself in a different way. When we, we all engage in self-talk, when we talk to ourselves in the face of mistakes, we're brutal. Yeah. Right? The way we talk to ourselves is, is incredibly rude and vicious sometimes. Don't do that. Yeah. Instead, treat yourself with kindness rather than contempt. And I think that Brandon made his way there. He disclosed it. He talked about it. He made sense of it. And he extracted lessons from it. And that's what real courage is. So I was uh, surprised to discover that uh, Brandon Music actually goes to Shoal Creek. So let's invite him up onto the stage and talk to him a little bit more. Can I get your autograph afterwards? <laughs> uh, so how did you end up on a talk show out of New York? Well, uh, that's a, I don't know, uh, to be honest. I was uh, I, processing through the divorce. Um, I, I, wanted, I started writing down my feelings. And so I wrote a couple articles for a website called fatherly.com. That was back in 2018. And then last June or sometime in the summer, I was mowing my lawn and I get a, a text or a call from a New York number. You don't answer a number you don't recognize, so, you know, ignore. Um, it got a voicemail from some producers from some Tamron Hall show. I thought it was a scam. I thought maybe they were going to come on and tell me some girl I was with in college, like I had a child, <laughs> you know, like, whatever, right? Like, so, um, I, uh, I didn't dial it. Then, then uh, he sent me a text message, and I showed it to uh, my lovely wife, Kayla, and she, without hesitation, just hit uh, dial. <laughs> so next thing I know, I'm talking to this producer, and um, he asked if I can get on a Zoom call. I don't know how they found the article or how they found my contact information. The internet is a weird place, uh, but that's, that's how it all came about. Wow, so um, incredible story. Uh, and you know, uh, thank you so much for, for uh, alerting us to, to this. Uh, so I, I wanna go back to some place where uh, uh, Tamron Hall's ask, and, and there was a pivot in, in this moment. You know, former or ex-wife says, "I want a divorce. Your wife, your world falls apart. Your wife, your kids, your world, that kind of stuff." Uh, and I'm sure there's there's anger, there's bitterness, there's fight for the relationship, all that kind of stuff going on. But at some point, there's a pivot. At some point, you begin to say, "Okay, that's done." Um, I and there was that moment you mentioned, trying to kill yourself or thinking about killing yourself, that kind of stuff. So. But, but there was a, a, a choice you made that was radically different in what Dan Pink called courageous. Can you go back to there and describe what that looked like or felt like? Well, um, after being divorced and coming home to an, an empty house, it was incredibly saddening uh, to come home alone. So I would go out drinking and I would go to the bars and I would drink, I'd come home and obviously that increased my depression when I would come home and there was many nights where 
I had that gun in my hand and um, had a decision to make and, and just, just make it till tomorrow was kind of what I put myself through. And then, you know, my kids are my life. And that's what kept me going each day, showing up each day. And I can't say that there was a certain moment that it happened, but just a process of reflection that, okay, you've got to get better. You've got to be an example. I grew up without a father, so I want to be that example for them. <laughs> when I started to reflect and, and realize, okay, what did I do wrong in my last marriage? And if I'm going to find love again, what do I need to change about myself um, so that I can be that example for my children? Mm -hmm. Wow. I mean, that, that takes a lot of courage. A lot of people just like to take the let bygones be bygones water under the bridge and, you know, go, go find new love. But for, for some reason, there was something different about what you're, you're doing here in the sense is that you knew that you owned part of that relationship falling apart. Yeah, of course. Um, it just, I look back and it was like on the show is a long list of all the things I could have done differently, right? And mm -hmm. at that moment, you know, when I would, in my previous marriage, when she would say, you know, I need to, we rub my back or rub my feet, I'd do it, you know, half, halfway because mm -hmm. we're at church. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> you mean like half-assed? Uh, yes, Is that what you're yes, trying exactly. to say? So okay. <laughs> I would do a half-assed to get out of it. And That's then, pretty tame for me, I want to say. <laughs> and then, um, you know, and then not being married anymore, there's times you think, man, why wouldn't I just do that? What I, I'd, I'd do it for hours right now, right? Mm -hmm. um, my new wife loves that. We'll mm -hmm. sit on the couch, <laughs> I'll rub her feet. <laughs> so, yeah. we'll learn and reflect and grow. Um, and I think that's really the process that I, that I went to is I reflected on the things that I, that I didn't do. I learned from them. I read, I read the book, The Five Love Languages, um, which I shared with Kayla on our first date. Um, and she didn't think I was crazy weird. So that was, that was good. Mm -hmm. um, we kind of went through that journey together of how to show love in each other's love language. Mm -hmm. um, and then growing. I'm not, still not perfect. Mm -hmm. Like I, she'll tell you, I still make mistakes. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, but I'll I have her up here next, <laughs> so don't worry. <laughs> her heart just freaking froze. out right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I've learned now to, to own my mistakes, mm -hmm. recognize them, apologize for them. Mm -hmm. um, we set early on in our relationship that um, intent is a big part, and, and I know in her heart that her intent is never to hurt me, and she knows that my intent is never to hurt her, and although sometimes we may make the other one upset or, or mm -hmm. uh, so to speak, that was never the intent of that mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. um, so communication has been a big part of our relationship, talking about things. Um, previous marriage, we didn't take time for each other. You know, it was just everything was structured around the kids, and who would do this chore and that chore, and it was, you know, and then we didn't go on dates, we didn't communicate as much about each other, we didn't take vacations, and reflecting back, now Kayla and I have weekly date nights, we go on vacations once a year and just make time for the relationship so we can, we can keep it strong. So the investment of energy in that former relationship really wasn't there, it was just taken for granted that you know, it'll happen. Right. I was very reactionary, just reacting to the moment instead of now I'm being proactive in mm -hmm. making sure I'm doing the right steps. Mm -hmm. Wow. So uh, when you think about, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you ever couched it when, when they talked to you about uh, being on there with, with Dan Pink, 
did did the re- word regret enter into your mind at all? Was it, was that a key part of that, or was it just learning from the past? Oh, it's. I mean, the regret was a big part mm-hmm. of, you know, I felt like a, a failure mm-hmm. um, and regretted the things that, that I, couldn't, I couldn't change. There comes a moment, though, where you, you can't let the, the past chapters of your book define the next chapter of your book. Um, and I don't know if there, I can't name a certain moment or if it was a gradual just shift in, in thought and, and mindset. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm in the, you know, in my business, we, I teach other leaders the same thing, like, okay, let's, let's, let's look at this, reflect and learn and let's grow. And then I had to take that same, same steps for myself. So he, he's in the fitness business, so that's why I'm flexing. <laughs> <laughs> Just so I don't look so bad up here. <laughs> so when you think about this, um, I, you know, I, I love that moment. I love that heart that you seem to have about learning, you know. Uh, and there's, there's all kinds of, like, perfect storms here. You're, you're single mom, you know. And, and then, uh, you know, I think you had, had a, a, maybe a stepdad that, that wasn't really that, that good of a dad and stuff. And so you had a real innate desire to react to that, to do something different, Okay. Obviously, the hurt and the pain of seeing those three kids and, and knowing that this thing's blowing up uh, has, has a lot to do with it um, and, and that kind of stuff. Um, being in the, the black hole of, of isolation, loneliness, and kind of coming to the point of, of realizing I'm either going to do something stupid here or I'm going to do something courageous you know, that, that will give me and my kids and, and, and a life you know, in that sense. Um, all that's coming together in your life and stuff, and it makes something kind of beautiful um, that we get to see here on that part. Um, is, there any, is there any way to, to boil that down in terms of what, what drives Brandon right now, and what, what is it that, that gets you in, into the future? How do, how, do you, how do you put all that together? Oh, that's a lot. Um, every day is a fresh start. And you make the most out of each day. Every day I start my mindset with what are the th- who are the people that I need to connect with today? Who are the people that I need to lead well? Um, who are the, what's something I can do nice for somebody? So that, ref- that morning mindset, I call it, of getting my mind right in the morning. Um, and then the evening, I do this, I journal. And every evening I do an evening reflection back. What went well? What could have gone better? And how would I change it going, going in the future? Um, it's an ever-evolving process. It's not a, it's not a clear-cut, okay, I've got this fixed. Uh, but driving, um, I mean, I've got a fantastic wife. My kids are amazing. Uh, my family's great. And it, it makes it really easy. Mm-hmm. So did you find that routine? Uh, you just stumbled on that in the, in the midst of this darkness you're going through? Uh, constant reading. I mean, mm-hmm. I've been reading um, since you mentioned, you know, my mom grew up as a single mom, and she's here today. Hi, Mom. Hey, mom. Uh, hey. So um, my mom was a single mom, and growing up, I was always reading. I wanted to find love. Mm-hmm. And I would read, like as a kid, I would read, like, you know, Men Are From Mars. Who does that as a high schooler? But I was reading, like, <laughs> Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus books, like all of them. My mom thought I was weird, too, because so she knew I was wrong. So 
she bought me a book. It was like this thick, and it was titled Everything that Men Know About Women. And I'm like, oh, excited. Finally, I got like the, all the answers, and all the pages were blank. Says you <laughs> looked at it. So <laughs> I was, um, you know, I've been looking for, wanting to find love. And, and, and in the past, I thought I had it. I loved my ex-wife. And um, she's a fantastic mom. And, and we, I just didn't do the things I needed to do mm -hmm. at that moment. Like I said, mm -hmm. I was reactionary. And, mm -hmm. and I, I failed at that part. I regretted what I did. But I can't change any of that anymore. You mm -hmm. have to come out on the better side. Hmm. Probably you find a lot of people in your work, you know, where a lot of people want to have a great body, want to lose a lot of weight, but they don't want to put in the daily habits, you know, it takes to get there. You, you seem to f have found the energy it takes on a daily basis to be intentional about the things that are important in your life. Hey, you mentioned weight loss. So we tell our clients like, okay, if you want to lose 50 pounds, you can't look at the whole staircase. You got to look at the first step that you got to take today. And the first step is you know, I gotta make, give my 100% in this workout. Then I gotta go home and I gotta have a good nutritious meal, and make that step. I gotta get a night, good night's sleep. Then I gotta wake up the next morning and, and repeat those steps. If I do all those steps and create the daily habits, the weight loss will come. But if I'm only focused on the results, I'm not gonna, not gonna get there. Mm -hmm. That's the same thing with, with anything, is any type of habit you gotta create, I can't focus on the result of, I gotta do the daily habits. That is, whether it's business or mm -hmm. family or Fitness, it's all, you know, what you do on a daily basis will lead to your success. Yeah, awesome. So you've got some, some people out here, a uh, free shot at them. If you were talking to them about their regrets, what would you say? Um, like I said earlier, don't let your past uh, define your future. At any moment, you can choose to be the best version of yourself and continue to grow, and that's an, that's, you know, an ongoing journey. If you're in a marriage and, you're, and you love the partner that you're with, don't let it go to waste. Don't, don't waste the moments. Focus on the, the quality of time that you have together and communicate with each other. Um, have those conversations. Make time for each other. Uh, go on date nights. Take vacations for yourself. Um, kids are great, but we often revolve our life around the kids. Um, and and if, you're, if you're single and you're looking for that marriage, know that there's someone out there for you and that mm -hmm. God's looking for you and and he's blessed me and so awesome well thanks so much thank brandon for being here thank you you know it's not easy to have the courage to to face the 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 person that you really are you know i love that moment in, in that sketch when um that guy looks at himself and he says, people think I'm a nice guy, but I'm not. And I think in many ways that relates to all of us. Um, we, we, we think we're, we're good people. And we, we think, you know, the problem is, is our scale of good is, is kind of biased. I think I'm a good person next to you, <laughs> right? We can always find someone that, you know, some scoundrel, some, some, someone, you know, I'm a good person next to my brother Bob, you know, or my sister or my ex-wife or husband or my neighbor. Or, we always have this, you know, this scale that we use. 
And, and really, the, the problem is, in the dynamic of this world, if it's influenced by the Bible, if it's influenced by a creator, God, who started everything, so we have this immaterial beginning, God created everything, then he sets these standards. And, and if that's true, his standards found in Matthew 5, when he says, be perfect as I'm perfect. Be perfect. It's like, you know, he didn't say be good. He said be perfect. This, this idea of, of what, it, what does it look like to, to achieve that standard. And the beauty and the courage that can come from that spiritual dynamic is found, I think, in the life of King David. There were three kings of Israel, Saul, David, and Solomon, all right? Three kings, and so Saul was, he was a terrible king. Um, he, was, he had all the outward appearances. Saul was like the first round draft pick that never really materialized. You know, he went first, maybe he won the Heisman Trophy, maybe he got, he got everything that, that, you know, he, he was tall and fast and handsome and all that kind of stuff, got all the commercials and all that kind of stuff, but he was a flop on the football field. He just didn't make it. Not only that, way, he was evil. And then, then there was David. And uh, David comes along, and David's an unusual king because he's the last in his family. He's the runt of the litter, in that sense, gene uh, genealogically speaking. David uh, gets elevated to be the king of Israel, and he does so uh, really on the back of a feat in which this teenager kills a giant with a slingshot. So he has this slingshot. It's, a, it's a really a slingshot, not that kind of bean shooters, the slingshot, and he, and he kills this giant, and, and the giant dies, and so David's uh, courage as a leader grows significantly, and so he becomes the king of Israel. But as king, David screws up royally. I mean, David, he, he, he's, he's supposed to be, uh, is the way it's being you know, described by the writer of the book of Samuel, it says, when kings were out to war, David was home, and he was on his roof, and he happened, you know, kings lives in the penthouse, and so he's, he's got a perfect view of everything, and he sees um, this uh, really, really nice-looking lady taking a bath on a veranda not too far from him, and he kind of likes her. And so he, he calls her up, and they have sex. She gets pregnant. He freaks out. He calls her husband home from the battlefield and so that they might have sex, and he could cover it up, and it wouldn't be his baby. It wouldn't be seen. They had a DNA test back then. So he was just thinking proximity would work. But, but the gal's husband was a was kind of an honorable guy. And so he says, look, I am not sleeping with my wife while my men are in the field in battle. I'm going to sleep on my doorstep. And David's like, crap. I'm sure he didn't say that. He said something worse. And so David, David plots to have this guy killed. He, 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 he's the king of Israel, and he, and he enters into murder. He murders this guy in collusion on the battlefield. 
Now, what's fascinating about this guy, David, that I'm talking about, David is described in the Bible as a man after God's own heart. David's not a good guy. But there was something about David that when faced with his moral failure that was different from him, that made him unique. And there's an entire chapter in the Bible written by David. It's almost as if we go into his journal. You know, and it would have been really courageous for Brandon to have brought his journals up here and let us read them, right? (laughs) You know, I, I know the reason that I can't write very well, you know, when I write in my journal, you could not read it because you would not want to read it because it's sometimes some pretty dark stuff. But David gives us his journal in Psalm 51. He has committed murder. He's committed adultery. He's had sex with someone who's not his wife. She got pregnant, make matters worse. He murders her husband in collusion with his generals on the field. And now he's faced with it. There was his, this friend of, of David's, probably the best friend that David ever had by the, guy, by the name of Nathan. Nathan comes into David and he tells him a story. He says, look, David, there was a guy who had this really precious little sheep. And another guy who came along and stole that sheep. And it's a little longer story than that, but David gets pissed at the guy who steals the sheep and David says who is that guy bring him here right now and Nathan turns around and points at David and said you you are that man and David's heart melts because you see when David was faced with his evil he had the ability to enter into a redemption cycle and many of, us, many of us don't have that ability. Many of us attempt to stay on the outside of that redemption cycle. We, we simply want to deal with it ourselves. And so what, what do we try to do? Shove it down? Distract? Somehow try to forget about that evil? We, we, we attempt to move on believing things like let bygones be bygones, water under the bridge, rather than facing it and owning up to it. And realize that there is light on the other side of darkness. David starts Psalm 51 by saying, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. David knew clearly that the heart of God was was generous. That God was interested in giving away his life. He created the perfect life in this world. He created what Jesus teased us with when he said, you might have life and might have it exceedingly, abundantly, abundant, all you can ask or think. You know, it's like he, he knew that that was there. But he also knew that he had failed in achieving it and needed help. Have mercy on me, O oh God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, Blot out my transgressions, wash away my iniquities, and cleanse me from my sin. You see, dealing with regret, dealing with the past things that's moral failures that we have, we have to face them first. We have to face them. And the first 
piece of that redemption cycle is just simply confession. You know, confession, if we were to take the, uh, the word that it appears in the original languages that Jesus used it in, or it appears in the Bible, it just means says, say the same thing as. That's what it means, say the same thing as. And so, what's David doing? He's saying the same thing as God about what he did. He has the freedom in his heart to acknowledge the truth of his evil. Because he knows the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father is one that is generous and wants to give him life. That because of his great love, he wants to bring David back. He doesn't want to leave David in the state he's in. He says, for I know my transgressions and my sins. It's always before me. David hasn't forgotten it, but he's trying to remove its ability to write the script of the next chapter in his life. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. So David realized even though he had committed adultery with, with Bathsheba. He had really you know, sexually abused her in many ways, used his power o- o- over this, uh, this female to, to be able to bring her into his presence. And my guess is, is that he was the king and she couldn't refuse him. And so he had, had, had sexually abused her. And then he had committed murder, c- killed her husband, uh, all kinds of, of human iniquities. And yet David knew that first and foremost, he had offended the heart of God. It wasn't the humans that were really in in play here so much as David had first and foremost offended God because God had not created a world that that really included that. When Jesus prayed, he taught us to pray. He said, may it be on earth as it is in heaven. I can guarantee you those kinds of things aren't happening in heaven. And so David, David knew that. He says, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. So David realized that that as humans, we we start out estranged from God. We don't wander away from God. We start out estranged from God. And, And we need access to become family again. And David sees that. He says, cleanse me with hyssop. That's kind of a... A, a little bush or something that they would put water, put blood on and sprinkle it with. So cleanse me with this bush and I, I will be clean. Watch me and I will be whiter than snow. Here's the odd thing about this, the, the crazy stuff that you think about. He's talking about being washed with blood. Now let's face it. The moment we get blood on a garment, it's like it's a race to get that stain out, isn't it? Because if that blood dries... Oh my gosh, it's done. You know, all the fancy stuff. You know, you might have a, a, a blue you know, shirt or blouse and it's got a red blood stain on it and you put something on it and now you've got a white, white dot on there. It, it just ruins the garment. And yet here's this counterintuitive thing about the spiritual journey the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross when he died that's his blood was the cleansing agent for all of humanity that allowed the writers of the Bible to to say things like John 1 12 when he says look 
When you begin trusting in what Jesus says, he gives you the right to become the children of God. The children of God. Why? Because Jesus died. He was going to die on the cross, and, and his, his death was going to be this infinite, infinite cleansing agent for all of eternity. David goes on to say, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit. You see, the end of that redemption cycle, it's not just confession, but, but it's also this idea of repentance. Now, I know that most of us, the last time we saw the word repentance was on a, some kind of meme or, or cartoon or something of a guy, long beard, standing, you know, someplace and screaming out, repent, the end of the world is near. You know, that's, that's the, the kind of thing we think of that word repentance. But really, the, the, again, the word confession, you know, say the same as repentance, go a different direction. Change your direction. That's what it means to turn around and go in a different direction. So David... He faced his sin. He faced it in the realm of the love of the Father. And he also then changed. He changed directions in his life. He began to move in a, in a, in a way that allowed him to think differently about his past. He acknowledged what he had done wrong. He learned from what he had done wrong. And he was a different person because of the new direction in his life. Brandon said something up here a few minutes ago. You know, it's, 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 it, it's never, uh, I'm not sure I'm quoting him correctly, but it's like uh, to, to be the new you, uh, it, it doesn't necessarily have to wait to then. It's now. It doesn't really get clouded by the past. When you enter that redemption cycle, when you begin to say, okay, Father, I understand that in this nature, Jesus died for me. I can say the same thing about the evil that's in my life. I can say I'm not a good person. I can actually make a failure resume. I can actually write those things down. I can acknowledge them. In fact, when you get to James chapter 5, Jesus' brother is writing, and he says, confess your sins to one another. Holy smokes. Who wants to do that? Well, let's do that right now. Turn to the person next to you. You're hoping I'm not serious, aren't you? <laughs> we have a fear of exposing our secrets. And yet, that's our sickness. And Jesus comes along and says, let me, let me love you in a way that says you can expose your secrets because I already know them. I know them better than you know them. You are actually worse off than you really know. But you're more loved than you'll ever understand until you acknowledge and enter into a life with a redemption cycle as your tool as a way to begin to understand what it looks like to live the life that Jesus promised. I know there are some of you here today who, who, who have a toxic space in your life that, 
that is just taking all of your energy to keep hidden, keep down, keep underneath, keep beyond anyone seeing what's going on. I, I want to challenge you today that the exhaustion that you're feeling, the reason you're not sleeping, the anxiety that grabs your life on a regular basis because you're so fearful of being known, your Father in heaven wants that to be known. He wants you to feel the extreme sense of forgiveness, the extreme sense of peace that comes when you realize that at your worst when you're known, you're still loved. Because the Father's move toward us is always that generous heart that wants to give us life. And it gets expressed in that four-letter word called love. So as the band comes and sings this last song about the heart of the Father, I, I want you to to take these moments and maybe make some decisions about what to do with that toxic heap that you have. Who is it that, that you're going to call and tell? Who is it you need to confess to? Who is it you need to talk with? It's time. It's time to release that toxicity in your life and let the cleansing blood of Jesus Take that darkness and that blackness out of your life and lead you to a space that's whole, that's full, that's flourishing. Let's pray. Father, um, thank you that this story so holds together uh, in, in such simple ways that we come into this sin-stained world, this world that's messed up, and in fact, we're messed up with it. And yet, you, you in history take a moment and enter this world and live and die on a cross to be the very solution for the pain that we all try to deal with. Father, we are so deluded into thinking that we can earn your favor when in fact you just simply want to give it to us? You want to demonstrate to us that there's nothing we could do to earn your favor, but you simply want to make us an heir in your kingdom for all the goodness in this world and the world to come. And yet we have such a hard time. Father, we have such a hard time being courageous to look straight in the face of all of the crap that's in our lives. So give us that courage, Father. Give us that courage. That courage to look at that blackness, that darkness. Give us that courage to believe that we're loved on the other side of being known. And give us the hope for what that freedom and peace and joy look like. When the worst of us is known, and yet we still feel the kind of favor from heaven that we've never felt from any other human being. Father, thank you for Jesus. Uh, he is not only our Savior, but he longs to be our King. He longs to be the leader. 
in our world so that we order things through him and by him and for him. We pray in his name. Amen.